Patreon.com is a place where people who like our thing called this podcast can go and enjoy that thing and sponsor it, and in return, get cool things such as the things Johnny's about to tell you. Bonus episodes. Mm -hmm. Parties. Yep. Max's pants. Yeah, I mean, you can borrow them. You can't keep them. No. But the point is, you can be a part of this special crew. Just go to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema to sign up for as little as like a dollar per episode. And then you can only do like two episodes per month if you're balling on a budget. That's fine. Uh, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. That's it. Enjoy the show. Try it out. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a pod. I guess that's how I talk, isn't it? Hey. We were just doing some level checking. I'm like, this is how I talk. And then as soon as it starts, I'm like, what's up? Yeah, I was like, you don't. Oh, no, I said talk in a normal voice. Max. Yeah. And then I spoke a little bit louder. And now that's the loudest I ever talk is the very beginning of the episode. Now you're thinking about it. Yeah. So yeah. this is a podcast. It's about craft beer and film. And Max talking very quietly. My name's Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. And uh, we, if you've never tuned in, first of all, welcome. We'd like to say thank you for joining us on this wonderful adventure that we call life and podcasting. We're going to take you on a journey. Yes. This is a three-part show. We cover two beers and one movie, not in that order. The order that it goes is this. We cover one beer. Then we talk about ourselves a little bit, what's got us hot and bothered this week. Then we take a break. We come back and we talk about a movie. This week, we're talking about Fahrenheit 451, uh, a film that's been adapted from a book, and we will get into those differences in the danger zone where we will spoil the film. If I didn't say that in the second segment, we do not spoil it, uh, in case you haven't seen it. It just came out this week uh, on HBO, so we will not worry about that and spoil anything for you. But then in the danger zone, we do get into spoiler territory, and we cover our second and final beer. I almost did it. Yep. Uh, And that's the structure of the show. Yeah, and in case you're a regular listener and you're tuning in and you're like... Are you guys abandoning your weekly quest to the silver screen? The answer is for this week. The answer is for this week. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think, mostly a combination of not wanting to see anything in theaters, really, and then kind of being busy. Timing. But mostly, it was there was nothing out that we really wanted to cover. Yeah. Like, I could have gone to the movies, but I there was just not enough hours in the day. Yeah. This is like a short week coming off of Memorial Day, and in the beer industry, it's like super crazy this week. Right. Yeah. But long story short... I read the book this week. Correct. Yeah, so. I read this book. Well, let's let's talk there when we get to yeah. the second segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, HBO gonna, this week was yeah. the whole point of that. Correct. So, and if you don't have HBO, well, then uh, that sucks. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I'm not sure if it's available other places. When we get to our Move Me segment, I'll have looked that up and I'll let people know where they can watch it. But the Move Me, the Move Me segment. segment. Yeah. Sorry, movie segment. I would put money on the fact that it's probably like in Redbox somewhere. I you think? Yeah. I would it, bet it, it might be. That's a good point. It'd be um, silly not to release it on DVD. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Also, there's a really loud husky in the yard next to ours, and that's bleeding through the walls. Yeah, and if this isn't getting picked up on the noise gate, correct? you have no idea what we're talking about. But sure. if it does come through every once in a while... That's like, what's... Yeah. Nobody's being tortured. There's a very loud dog. Yeah, just whining. Um, Johnny, so, my friend, you are the beer supplier most days, including in your regular day job, so it's only fitting that you also supply beer here. What are you pouring into your glass right now that we're about to talk about? So, first off, I'm going to tell you the brewery. Sure. Uh, It is from a little brewery called Old Republic, and they're about a Nevada city, which if you don't know where that is, it's very near Grass Valley. When if you don't know where that is? It's maybe, what, 30 minutes outside Sacramento, 45? 
I've never actually gone there from Sacramento. I don't either. I'm just trying to think of like that's the nearest landmark. Yeah, or like Truckee's close by. Yeah, it's up in that like mountainous part mm-hmm. of the world, almost to Nevada kind of thing. Yeah, and you know Nevada City is really pretty. They have a really cool downtown. It's just a funky old place. Reminds me a lot mm-hmm. of old Sacramento. Totally, tons of cool shops, and they have their own little brewery now. And what we are getting into, they started canning. Oh, probably six months ago or something like that. Cool. Uh, this beer is called Interstellar Juggernaut. It mm-hmm. is described as a super juicy Northeast style double IPA featuring Mandarina, Bavaria, and Idaho Seven Hops. It is clocking in at eight point seven percent ABV, and it comes in a sixteen ounce can available at Spikes Bottle Shop for five doll hairs. Would you say ABV one more time? ABV would be eight point seven. Did you say that? Yep. Okay. Cool. It um. That was, thank you for saying the spikes availability as well. Five mm-hmm. bucks, pretty affordable. Yeah. There's a very brown, yellow kind of haze to it. And a lot of really, really weird flavors straight off the bat. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it surprised me. Um, I'm not sure if it's good. It, it caught me so off guard that I have to completely reevaluate. What are you getting uh, your first taste of this? Mm. Uh, gummy bears, yeah, almost. Yeah, like some really sweet, like sugary kind of. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's like sugar-coated um, floor. Yeah, but what what material floor? Like hardwood or like 70s oh. shag. Oh, oh, carpet. That's even like yeah. you feel like you get so many more things in there. No, I was, you know, if I had to pick a floor, it'd be like linoleum. Okay. Which I actually, as the floors go, is very durable, very clean, very functional. Ah, clean's debatable. Can get very dirty. Yeah. Um, This is interesting. I think there's some good stuff going on. I don't think it's fantastic. Um. You know, a lot of what you're encountering is just some hop varietals you're not used to. Maybe, yeah. We should pull up Mandarina Bavaria hops. There's the can for spelling, just in case you need that. Uh, and also the Idaho 7. I know that that's kind of a more unique and new uh, hop profile. I don't know a lot about it, but, I mean, Idaho's a lot of dirt. It would make sense that this hop's kind of earthy. So here's Max to fill us in on what a Mandarina Bavaria hop should taste like. Well, yeah, so we've we've gotten some hop. Um, we've done some hop digging on this website before. It's y- YCH, YHC Hops. Yeah, those YCH guys hops, actually supply the brewery I work for with all of our hops. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they supply a lot of breweries that you enjoy. Yeah, so I'm actually going to maybe just be in charge of scrolling here because I'm going to have to turn my head at a weird angle without moving my uh, my microphone, so do I'm just going to leave that. But Do your thing. Um, can you read that from where you're at, man? If I do that. There maybe. we go. So this hop uh, is going to be citrus and fruity on the aroma profile. It's going to be bred at the Hop Research Institute in, what does that say? Hul? Hul? Yeah. Hul, Mandarina, Hul. Bavaria. So it's definitely like a European hop. And it displays pleasant fruitness in Finnish beers. So it's going to be a specific aroma of fruit and citrus, specifically distinct tangerine and citrus flavors. Yeah, and I do sort of get that, but I wonder what the blend is in this beer between this beer and uh, and the Idaho 7 you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the Idaho 7 is mostly described as like tropical and pine. Mm. And I get more a lot more of the pine than I do tropical tropical fruit flavors. Yeah, and and I get way more earth. Yeah. Like almost striking like like an Amarillo hop. You know, because Amarillo's got that real strong earthy, but also way more earth and must almost than tropical or juicy or anything. Yeah, some of the notes on the uh, on the website here about this is that it's got, and again, I don't know a lot about brewing or the science behind it, but I know that like alpha acids are ones that are very, very bitter up front. And, and I think that's the interesting thing about this hop. It says there's like a lot of that fruity characteristic, but a, a bunch of alpha acids that give you that bite. Um, so maybe that's what's throwing me a little bit too, because I do get a lot of sweetness on the body, but there's a really intense bite on the finish. 
yeah. is uh, throwing me off a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like you're eating a pineapple, but you're eating like the rind of the pineapple too. Yeah, I've never done that, but I'm imagining what that would be like. You know, it's yeah, yeah, that weird pithiness almost mm-hmm. of like you know. Have you ever taken a bite out of a whole papaya? Uh, no, I haven't. Or like a mango, where you have the the I contrast. I have done mango. Yes, the contrast of the flesh versus the skin. Oh yeah, where yeah. The skin just adds that weird bitter twang to it. Yeah. That's almost what I'm getting out of this is like it's nice and tropical, but also like some some skin of the fruit was like, you know, mixed in somehow. I don't know, man. There's something in this that I've never uh, encountered. Yeah. And I'm not sure what it is. I think I like it because it's it's interesting, but. Is it savory? Because it's almost savory. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just so heavy and sweet that it's coming off on my palate as savory. Um, This is one of the more interesting beers, one of the more interesting beers of this style that I think we've done in a while. Which is nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it it is offering a bit more complexity out of a north northeast New England mm-hmm. style. Definitely odd. Uh, I've not had really beers with either of these hops exclusively, mm-hmm. so I don't have a baseline of like what either of them specifically should should taste like. But together, they're making a very interesting mashup in my mouth. Yeah, and I'm I've not had a ton of Old Republic beers, but if anybody from Old Republic is listening right now, I'd love to know if you guys have done this before. And if this has always been the recipe for this beer, or if there have been experiments with these hops in other beers, I'd be very curious to know, and maybe try them side by side, because uh, I think it'd be fun and and enlightening. For what it's worth, in my experience in the world, this is the first time I've seen this beer in a can. Okay, cool. So it might have been on draft around. Uh, I love the name Juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite X-Men characters. Would have been it. great during Deadpool. Right? Yeah. That now that it, it wasn't out last Yeah, week. right. Excuse me, but I love uh, that for a couple of reasons. It's also one of my favorite songs. Anyways, it's a very confusing beer. Mm-hmm. It really like dances between like super ridiculously sweet and like pulpy. Yeah, back to like earthy and like filled with dirt. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, but in a good way. I think I like it. Yeah, I'm not upset at it. It's definitely nice to see something with uh, a bit more than one dimension. Totally. Out of this style. I want to say, too, they have it written on the can, which I don't see too often, but it says, fresh beer, this beer is unpasteurized and must be refrigerated. Then it also says, don't drink and drive. Separate thoughts, but both very nice. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that I've seen the must be refrigerated on too many beers. No, the, a lot of them don't that should. Yeah, it's maybe nice. Not. It's definitely nice to see, especially out of this style. Uh, just being unpasteurized to pasteurized yeah. would be the right. Yeah. Pas- pasteurized. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about pastries, yeah. guys. I'm chubby. Yeah. No, uh, that would definitely impact the shelf life, just any variance in temperature. Yeah, I think what it really does for me is it it changes my brain around a little bit. Like it, It's just like one extra step to quality control, mm-hmm. which I've gone off on rants here. We had a revision beer a few weeks ago where it was just like too much too much left to chance as far as like you know, chunks left in a, in a hazy beer or flavor differences, even in a four pack. So I think putting that in there just shows that they really care about the product, which is uh, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, out of a brewery, one of the main things you want is consistency. Totally. You know, and I don't know if I'm going to try this beer again, but I would hope it would taste the same. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead, uh, if you're ready to rate this baby, I feel like I have a pretty good. Yeah. Go ahead and rate it and tell me why. So yeah, this is an 8.5, which, and if you've never tuned into the show, again, this is out of 10. Our ratings are pretty arbitrary, um, especially for me when it comes to beer. I'm not any type of certified person when it comes to beer. I just drink a lot of beer, and uh, it's a good way to, to keep the show structured. So 8.5 because it's, like I said, it's interesting, first of all. Second of all, they clearly have put some thought into this, and I think it's what it's supposed to be. 
I don't think it tastes like this by accident. And I do think that if they made another batch with how much care they've put into even like putting their hops on the front, it's not just like, oh, we'll try this and then we'll try this and maybe it'll be different next time. That's very important to me. And third, and maybe most importantly, is it's actually really drinkable. Mm -hmm. With all the complexity going on, it's still very tasty and interesting, but enjoyable. With you don't have to like you don't have to dig into the different facets of how interesting it is to enjoy it. I think you could just drink this. So definitely eight point five for me. It's, it's a nice approachable beer, especially for being eight point seven and being a double IPA. Yeah, that's uh, a strong beer. I'm we keep like not. Yeah, I don't. That's a strong double IPA. Yeah, and when you incorporate that into your review, it would be safe to say that it, it's really like refreshing and drinkable mm -hmm. for yes. a beer that that's that's that heavy, which is kind of nice too. It's it's not doesn't taste like a nine percent beer. Yeah, totally. I'm going to give it an eight flat. Okay. Uh, I It's funny. I'm going to give it a lower rating, but I think I might like it more than you. Interesting. Yeah. Sure. But um, I don't know, man. It's it's confusing. Uh, and as someone who, you know, tries to, you know, critically look at a bunch of different beers, it's, it's all over the place a little bit for me. And honestly, do not really like the hop varietals as much. You know, I like it because it is complex and it does offer... Uh, a fresh take on the style, and I think that's good. It's good for the industry and yeah. just standards in general. But also, I just I don't like the flavor profile yeah, as much. Fair enough. It's just way too heavy on the sweetness mixed with the earthiness. Mm -hmm. It's like I almost want it to. It's it's so right down the middle. Yeah, you want to just lean one way or the other. I wished it would have really just kind of taken a stand a little bit one way or the other. Sure. That being said, I think it's definitely worth a try. Um, if you're one of those people that likes to drink along, I would hope someone reviews this. Yeah. Because I'd love to get someone's take on this beer that enjoys the style. It's definitely definitely a fresh take. So I'm going to yeah. big hats off to Old Republic for cranking out a pretty good beer. Yeah. I can say objectively, even though sure. I don't love it. Yeah. So once again, that's Interstellar Juggernaut. It's available at Spike's Bottle Shop here in Chico for five bucks. Or if you happen to be in Nevada City at 124 Argyle Way, am I tripping out? Yeah, Argyle Way. Argyle. Uh, check out their tap room. I bet it's fun. I drive that way to Reno all the time, um, and I will check it out when I'm there too. Um, should we move on to Hot and Bothered, my friend? Let's do it. I'm going to go ahead and guess that what's got you hot is today's thing, or no? No. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Do you want to do one bothered, one hot each, or do you want to split it up? I'm just, yeah, let's do it. Start, okay. Do we start with the, the bother? Let's start with bother. Let's get the negative out of the way. If you've never heard this segment, we talk about something basically that's irritated us and something that's made us happy this week. We call it hot and bothered because it's a catchy slogan. Mm -hmm. What's got you bothered? Um, okay. So it's becoming summertime. Yeah. It's getting hotter. Mm -hmm. It's really bothersome trying to go to sleep when it's light outside. Oh. As someone that wakes up at like four, like five, forty, like five forty-five, mm -hmm. five thirty. Yes. I have to go to bed at like 8 30, 9 o'clock, and the sun's still out pretty much. Like, it's just a weird feeling. It makes me feel like a kid again that like yeah, has right. to go to bed that's in the funny. summer. Uh, so that's just a weird feeling. Like, I could not go to sleep till like midnight last night. That sucks, man. It was super lame. Fair. Well, I'm going to go kind of similarly. What's got me bothered is that it's getting to be summertime mm -hmm. and it's really hard to go to bed when it's so hot. Oh, dude. I hate it. For real. I, I, the, the amount that I enjoy my life during the summertime is dramatically less than wintertime. Significantly less. We need to take you floating this year. Yeah. I need, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to try to be in more bodies of water this summer just to combat the crazy Chico heat. That's one of our main goals every summer. Granted, it has been, um, like today and yesterday, it's Thursday, Thursday? Today's th yeah, yeah. Today's Thursday. 
and it's been in like the mid 70s so that's been really nice but next by sunday it's back to 100 and saturday is supposed to be 101 not too thrilled about that no. so that's that's a little bothersome to me yeah that's yeah. not cool but on the flip side what's got you hot so what's got me hot is my favorite band in the world coheed and cambria just released a song this morning i knew that okay. love you uh what song the song is called dark sentencer so Dark Sentencer is a return to their roots and also the underlying thematic elements of their whole discography. They started out as a band that was fueled by science fiction. So basically the whole album, every single album was a concept album and all the concept albums intertwined into a larger science fiction universe. Cool. You've told me this before. Yeah. yeah. And then once they got big enough, they like went to got a comic book thing going and it's, it's just been amazing. And they kind of got away from that for like the last three albums. And then this album is uh, the first song, Dark Sentencer, just dropped. And it's a return to that thematic universe. Cool. And it really, like, the sound of the music sounds like their older stuff. So it's just kind of a getting back to what got me into the band in the first place. Fresh tour, fresh comic books down the road eventually. So, yeah, when they drop a new song, it gets me really geeked. And the song's really good. That's great. Yeah, I, I really appreciate when bands take, not just bands, any type of artist in general uh, has the forethought to kind of make a, um, you know, an all encapsulating thing that ties back into itself and references itself uh, like the Marvel movies, but more artistic. Totally. You know. Yeah. And not enough bands do that. I think. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do. Cause like a lot of bands change members over time and yeah. like creating that solid vision has got to be pretty tough. Yeah. But so. I mean, delving into a world of like pure fiction you know, but yet fiction that somewhat reflects your own life, but mm -hmm. just writing metaphorically. Yeah. It's got to be a goldmine of songwriting, just like creating sure. oh, characters yeah, totally. and then writing songs from their perspective. And you see, looking back, like reading their comics, you see what songs he's written from different characters' perspectives. And it's really crazy, like how he gets into all the different characters in this universe. Right. And they all have their own story and it just breeds song material. Yeah, totally. So... That's what's got me hot. Super nerdy. Word. Um, I am. I had a bunch of good stuff this week. I've been really crazy working, booking this tour that I'm going to go on in the fall. Um, I've started correspondence with the company that's going to press my album onto vinyl. Yes. But what I really want to highlight is that yesterday I landed a kickflip. I used to skateboard a lot, and right. my skateboard's right there. It's the reason I'm wearing these Vans today. And I was like, what's going to happen if I just pull out my skateboard after not skating? for? It? I picked it up a little bit last summer. And then I was like, you know, I'll just try it. And then I landed out of like 20 attempts, like four kickflips yesterday. And I was like, you know what? I still got it. It's pretty good. My leg is really sore today. I got up and I was like, you know, when you like shift in the middle of the night and you like lift one leg and put it on the other side kind of thing. Yeah. Whole leg hurts. And then just, something goes. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> I didn't do anything, but my leg really hurts, but it doesn't matter because I landed four kickflips. That's so pretty baller. Yeah. That's what's got me hot, man. I used to skate all the time. I miss yeah. it. Yeah. I miss it. Oh, well. Just too much risk of getting injured though no i know yeah it's not like, good no once i got a job i'm like I, I can't do this anymore i do want to say you know how they remodeled the chico skate park well they did okay i, I remember hearing about it i haven't checked it out since tony hawk came and skated it what yeah yeah so no. i'm gonna go skate it and i'm gonna be like i skated the same skate park tony hawk did i'm gonna say that is my there next thing. video of this happening i'm sure there is yeah it was, it was like part of the uh uh part of the effort to expand it they doubled the size basically wow I mean, I've only driven by, but it was the thing. Well, let's go to Cafe Code and get some lattes. That sounds great. Yeah. We could go skate. Yeah, dude. Just <laughs> Could we be more like mid-30s and white? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. mid-20s for you, whatever. Right, there you go. 
Uh, cool. Well, I'm I'm good on hot and bothered. Yeah. So that's been hot. That's been bothered. That's been juggernaut. What's it? Interstellar not, juggernaut. Interstellar juggernaut. Yes. Oh, that was the other thing too. What's that? That ties back into the Coheed and Cambria universe. There's a song called Here We Are Juggernaut. Oh, there we go. It's about oh, that was your favorite song. Yeah. Got it. So anyways, yes. that's been that. That's been that. Check out Old Republic if you're in Nevada City. Also, drink this beer. Mm-hmm. Drink it with us. Mm-hmm. Get on all of our social medias. Max, where can they get at us? So every place you might think to find us, like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, our handles are always at Fresh Hop Cinema. If you have more to say than uh, 280 characters, because Twitter changed that in the past couple months, you could email us at FHCCast. We'd really love to hear your thoughts on this beer or what you're doing this week. It's always fun. As a reminder, when we come back from this break, we're talking about Fahrenheit 451, the new film on HBO. No spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to get a taste for what we think and what you might think, stay tuned. Uh, and we'll be right back with that. Folks, this episode is brought to you by The Handlebar Chico. That's right, folks, The Handlebar. Just what the name implies. They're right next to a bike shop. They've also got amazing craft beers, a newly expanded food menu, and a ton of great options for seating, as in outside, inside, whatever you want. Max, tell them about Happy Hour. Yeah, they have Happy Hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you get a dollar off any of their fantastic draft beers. Uh, I highly recommend it. I like to go over there, especially during the week when I've gone on bike rides and I need to cool off with a nice Trumer Pilsner. Grab it for $4 because it's a dollar off. Uh, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street. Again, very lovely family-owned business, local to Chico. Go support local business. It's also supporting this podcast because that's what they do, so that's what you'll be doing. Handlebar Chico. Little known fact, patio is dog-friendly, restaurant child-friendly up until, I believe, 9 or 10 p.m. now. Yeah, that's true. I've taken my dog there uh, many a time, and he loves it. I've taken a little blanket. It's great. I've taken no children there. It's been glorious. (laughs) Handlebar Handlebar Chico. Chico. Check them out. Hello, and welcome back. Before we get too deep into our second segment in the movie, a quick shout-out. Before we took a break, I was saying how we love it when you email us about beers and whatnot. Big shout-out to friend of the show, longtime supporter Nick Land, for a great email with oh, here possibly go. a new moniker yeah. for young Max the Party Minardi. There it is. Big ups to that. Yeah, I forgot to call you a nickname at the start of the show. Yeah. And then about three minutes in, I was like, I didn't call him a nickname. And then yeah. I couldn't think of one because I was speaking. And the same problem's happening now. So yeah. let's move on. And I just figured the nickname thing will, will happen organically sure. if and when it does. Yeah, I think that's that's so. correct. Anyways, just, yeah, big shout out, Nick Land. Thank you for the email. It is much appreciated. So yeah. here to tell you about the film. Fahrenheit 451 is Max the Party Minority. Yes, indeed. So this is a film that was recently adapted from the Ray Bradbury novel of the same name. Um, this was directed by Ramin Barani, and it was written by him as well, uh, you know, relatively speaking, because uh, he was using the source material. I will say from off the bat, this is not extremely uh, close to the book version. We're not going to get into that until The Danger Zone, but any of you that have read the book, we will talk about that in The Danger Zone. Okay, so... Fahrenheit 451 stars Michael B. Jordan as Guy Montag, a dude on a fire squad. And this is different because this is the future. It's dystopian. Firemen do not put out fires. They start fires. Specifically, they light things on fire they call graffiti. It's like contraband, specifically educational stuff like books and art and music. Uh, His fire captain is Captain Beatty, played by Michael Shannon, played with a very Michael Shannon approach, I think, (laughs) Uh, if that's fair to say. Um, let's see who else, uh, I thought these would be in order of, I'm looking at the IMDb here. You mean just being an angry Southern man? Yeah. Just being, you know, like kind of one dimensional and, and very Michael Shannon. Shape of water. What? Yeah. Right. Um, anyways, so we're in this future where 
it's it's very much a a like twenty four seven newscast is happening around the city, and the firemen are kind of the the big celebrities, and there's a lot of demonizing that happens to this uh, resistance. Maybe you'd call the rebellion. Yeah, uh, an intellectual rebellion by the eels. They call them eels because uh, they're slippery and slimy, mm-hmm. and you know, full uh, of knowledge. Yeah, um, and the film covers Guy Montag's struggle with. Uh, being deciding, woke. yeah, if if what he's been doing his whole life is is right or is good, and what the consequences of those actions might be, and what the effects that this type of hive mind mentality on a society might have long term. Yeah, fair, fair for a start. Fair, and also, yeah, just kind of figuring out whether this large scale under thumbness is maybe the right way to do things. Sure. Again, yeah. this came out on uh, on May tw- not again. I haven't said this, but May twentieth, which was just a couple of uh, a week ago or so. When yeah. You hear it? Maybe two weeks. Uh, two thousand eighteen. Obviously, it runs an hour and forty minutes long, and it's rated TV fourteen because it was released on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is appropriate for kids. I think so too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll talk more about why or why not. I would rather kids read the book in the danger sure, zone sure I- irony abound there, yeah by the way <laughs> exactly um what do you think of this movie overall i thought it was a good movie okay. you know and sure. i'm going to add a disclaimer that i did not have time to watch the last like 20 minutes i boned up on the plot and got i read how the movie ended and sure uh but just in the interest of transparency i did not get to see the last like 20 minutes but what i saw which was basically the whole movie um if I can speak objectively, which it's hard to do, because sure. I just read the book this week, um, as a movie, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty entertaining. It portrayed the struggle of Guy Montag uh, kind of in its own way, and it took like a fresh take on that, which was interesting. And I also like that it was kind of modern, modernized into this like social media presence, uh, almost like Twitch like live streaming mm-hmm. life type situation. Uh, it had interesting points. It was really kind of cool to look at. Like the whole movie was Agreed. shot very, yep. very darkly. The fire. Um, and there's some really nice cinematography and contrast. As that opening scene with the, yeah. the book pages kind of crumbling under the fire. That mm-hmm. was, that was great. I was like, here we go. This is going to be an amazing movie. Yep. And I wouldn't call it amazing, but you're still speaking. So sorry. Yeah, no, I would call it a good movie. Hmm? Uh, definitely a solid, like made for TV HBO movie. I think it tells the story adequately, and I think it's definitely worth a watch. And there was things I obviously didn't like about it, but there was definitely a lot of things I did like about it. Yeah, I think I'm in that boat too. This is the first film that we've covered on the show that Johnny and I have both read the book, and it's been several years for me. I read it in high school, and I think maybe one other time in college. Uh, so, tr- kind of setting that aside, it I think the message here is is timely. Yeah, is probably a good way to say that. I think the performances are okay. Uh, Michael B. Jordan does a good job with what he's given. Michael Shannon uh, is Michael is, Shannon. Yeah, like he doesn't, uh, you, you know, for a minute there, you think he's got some depth, but I think overall he kind of plays the angry captain. Mm-hmm. Um, I also forgot to mention Sophia Butella, who plays C- Clarice McClellan. She's sort of a uh, a gal that Guy Montag meets and makes him start to question everything, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she does a good job too. She kind of has roles like this a lot. She was in Atomic Blonde. Mm-hmm. Also, as like a resistance fighter kind of thing. Yep. Um, overall, I think it was very, very, very adequate. I think there were scenes that were really good. I think that the concepts, like I said, are very applicable and timely. Um, 
Yeah, but the, it just it's missing something, and and this is where it becomes hard to separate the book from the movie because the book deals with these things in a much more nuanced way that I think we'll talk about in the Danger Zone. Exactly, and I think the movie misses a lot of those beats, uh, which makes it tough because a lot of what makes us well, a couple of things that make the book so groundbreaking is is the depth that you get of this world that they're in mm-hmm. and here it's sort of just thrown at us and and the only reason any of it makes sense is because of like we know what twitch or twitter is like mm-hmm. yep so i think there's less there's less creativity used in the film as far as concepts go yeah definitely and i think one of the things that kind of detracted from the movie for me was um it could have been more bleak yeah and it could have been more morose in tone um, in, you know, again, this is hard to say that, oh, in the book it was like that, but yeah. all the firefighters were really bro Yeah. And it was almost fraternal. You yeah, know what I mean? And it was. just didn't vibe with me right. Just because, you know, if you're familiar with this story, you know that they should have a different vibe. That being said, it just didn't fit in to me with, with the, you know, the levity of what they're doing. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if levity works there. Not levity. Oh, that might work. Levity is like a reference to weight, kind yeah. of, but levity usually means like lightweight. I think maybe it means you're thinking of brevity. No, I'm thinking of levity. I don't know. You keep. Talking. I'm gonna look that up. You keep saying. But anyway, doesn't fit in. It just didn't fit in to me with with the tone, you know, because it this this whole movie, like it, I don't know, it should have been to me more morose, more serious. A bit. I mean, it was really dark and serious, but like I don't know. I think they could have stepped it up a notch. It's almost like you're saying there was too much levity. Levity is, is like making light and making humor of something that, that is backwards. otherwise serious. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, same idea. I think you're right too uh, when it comes to the tone between the book and the, and the movie. But yeah, but yeah. I'll, as the movie stands by itself, uh, I mean, it was like you say, it was adequate. I think it yeah. told the story and it got the story and the point across. Yeah. I think, you know, that the, the, the character Yuxi, it's the, the Amazon echo yeah. Alexa thing that they have. Um, that also isn't very well developed in the film. You kind of understand. And I think the only reason we make sense of it is because we have those kind mm-hmm. of things now, like minus maybe the filming aspect, but we have things that we can talk to and be like, Hey, what's, what's the weather? Well, yes and no, because we have webcams everywhere. I mean, That's there's true. two cameras pointed or at least one camera yep. pointed at you right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe the difference is I don't know if that one's filming me or not. And that's the thing, though. Like that's always been the thing with webcams right, and people right. putting duct tape over their computer totally. monitors. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think the 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 UC thing specifically in in the book, it's a lot more involved. Like it's also kind of the curator of home entertainment with giant screens and stuff. And here it's just more like an almost almost artificial intelligent kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like asking you questions about you know like. Uh, what's what's wrong? You seem different. Yeah, and one aspect of this movie I thought was interesting that wasn't in the book was the fact that everyone in this society, or at least the firefighters that we see, particularly Guy Montag, are medicated and they sure. are monitored like twenty four seven by their Luxi Uxi Uxi. Yeah, uh, and it the Uxi basically prescribes eye drops that are their medicine true yeah and it changes on their body chemistry and it basically i don't know what it's supposed to do i mean whatever you would 
your government medicating yeah, so, like, you. Like I they mean, never it, even explain what yeah. they think it does. They're just like, we have these drops. Yeah. And then we're all like, that's probably something to keep you docile. Yeah. Like, I'm like, they're obviously the drugging you. But like they don't even want to be like, this is to help regulate our allergies. They're like, it could be anything. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was also a bit of an oversight. Well, I mean, they kind of alluded to it at one point when Yuxi uh, said that you noticed, I noticed your heart rate's been more mm, elevated sure. and while you weren't exercising. Are you feeling yeah. okay? Right. The indicating that maybe he's a bit more stressed out and maybe he just gets like a couple extra milligrams of Xanax in his right. eye drops. Totally. So that wasn't in the book, but I did like that as an addition to the movie. That was not in the book. No. Okay. There was no medication cool. or anything. Because there's another book and I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. 1984. No, I think it might be Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Okay. But there's a there's a drug called Soma. Does that ring a bell to you, S-O-M-A? That uh, rings a bell because it's a muscle relaxer that I enjoy. Oh, that's a real thing, huh? Yeah. Somas are awesome. Soma? Really? S-O-M-A, yeah. It's a muscle relaxer. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was it's a made pre- up for this book. No, it's a prescription-grade muscle relaxer I got when I had a pulled muscle in my back. It is Brave New World, by the way. Cool. That's. Yeah. I wonder if that's where they got the name of the drug. That'd be creepy. This is, I mean, Brave New World is written in 1932. Oh my God. So maybe. Whoa. But I doubt it. I mean, it probably stands for something. Yeah, but also I guarantee you that that book predated that drug. You think? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I would almost guarantee it. Yeah, that's a trip, man. That's really creepy. Dude, is the FBI listening to this right now? Yeah, maybe. Not at this very moment, unless they're watching from the from yeah. the camera. So, But anyways, the, about the drugging, I just thought that was an interesting addition into this world, and it definitely added to the dystopian feel of the environment. I just want to bookend this real quick. Yep. Carisoprodol, marketed under the brand name Soma, is a prescription drug marketed since 1959. Oh, my. Uh, 25, 22. 27 years after <laughs> after the book. I don't know. So what is the drug supposed to do in Brave New World? In Brave New World, I can't remember. Okay. Uh, but I'll look it up. But Yeah, that'd be interesting. What if it's like the same like symptoms it said to alleviate? Dude, it might be. Because I think, I, I mean, in Brave New World, it's like a, it's a dystopian, futuristic novel. And um, I think people use it to, like as an upper kind of thing. That's definitely not then. I don't know. Because on the Wikipedia page here, it says uh, the usual dose. The Wikipedia for Soma. Correct. Uh, for no, for the real one. So yes, not the book. The, the prescription drug soma. Correct. Modern day. Yes, uh, is unlikely to engender prominent side effects other than somnolence, which is a state of strong desire for sleep. Yeah, uh, and mild to significant euphoria. So, which is kind of similar. Yeah, but they um, they relax like every muscle in your body. Hmm. So, I mean. If you take two somas, you'll feel your eyelids slide across your eyeballs when oh, you blink. That's weird. It's very strange, uh, very cool. Yeah, I guess maybe, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you have a pulled muscle in your back and you're prescribed them, absolutely. Right. Sure. There you go. <laughs> um, back to this though. Back yeah. to Fahrenheit. For by the way, also I blew my mind when I learned this. Uh, they mentioned it in the movie too. I'm glad they did because 451 degrees Fahrenheit is apparently the temperature at which paper burns. Little little nod there. That is a trivia fact. Yes, it is probably. That is not true. Are you kidding me? Uh, he was uh, the author of Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. Anyways, he was told that by someone and never actually researched it. Is that true? Yep. Dad gummit. Well, that's a bummer, but I think you're right. Uh, anyways, we could look that up later, but it's yes. It is seeming like that is false. Either way, it's it's a really cool idea. Yes. I dig it. NPR did an article titled, uh, is 451 degrees Fahrenheit also the temperature at which ebooks burn? 
<laughs> I like NPR. That's amazing. So yeah. I like the addition of of the medication uh, and you know the cinematography. The overall feel was not terrible. Uh, I no. like Michael B. Jordan. I think he overacted a little bit. Yep. He just came on a little strong, but overall, I liked him. Um, oh, it's impossible to ignore. I know we said we're going to talk about mm. the differences in the yeah, danger it's, zone. You're right. It's impossible. Um, it's a classic book. He's the only black guy on the fire squad. The, yes. Uh, fire and squad. I thought that was interesting because in the books, it's very specific that all the firemen look the same. Yeah. And they're white. And they're very white. <laughs> right. And they're very, and they're always smoking. Granted, and, 1932. Yeah. I, you know. Exactly. But, um, other than that, yeah. like it's it's uh, a good portrayal of the character. Uh, I think he did it well. I think there was definitely differences, but it was not not bad. Yeah. What are some things you liked about this Honestly, movie? Just on that point, like it's I'm always in favor of like unwhitewashing certain things, but you can't just make one character like it's not like you can't just just take one black person and be like, all right, now we've made it diverse, like. Everybody else is white. You have a get out situation, and it makes me uncomfortable yeah. watching that. Like, I don't know. I think the choice for Michael B. Jordan is banger. He's gonna have a good year. Um, but was there another black person? I in think this so. Movie? I saw one black person in passing that I remember because <laughs> I remember having the same thought. I was like, man, like he's he's like the youngest. The, that's what he, at one point Michael Shannon's like, you're the youngest recruit of like the young whatever their young. Hopefully troop not Buck is called right, which um, is problematic, guys. Young Buck? Yeah. Yeah. We learned that. We learned that and get out. Yep. Uh, kind of. Uh, so I thought that was weird. Things I did like, um, I think it's nice because the terrible part of this is that a lot of people are not reading as many books, uh, which is hard to say when I'm talking about this. So I think it's nice. Maybe they'll see this concept. Um, I think it's important in the current climate of the world to remember to grasp onto as much knowledge as possible. Yeah. I've watched some downer stuff this week. This I watched, which is like, bad when you think of how accurate it is to the portrayal of our society and our attention spans and yeah and then i watched that documentary film hot girls wanted by rashida jones on netflix about like the porn industry i thought you already watched that i watched the series that it was based off of. Oh, okay. i never watched the original so i did and it's how like everybody in america who watches porn is at fault for like these young 18 year old girls that just ruin their lives in a lot of ways straight away so like those two things i'm like man society is just not not yeah. ideal right now. And you keep perpetuating the culture yeah. and yeah, but also like yeah, it's so hard to make an actual difference. Correct. You know, yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. And that's the resistance in a nutshell. Well, you want. yeah. So I think just by covering this movie and maybe for me, covering this movie and book got me to read a book that I'd never totally. I'd never read it before. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, a brand new experience. So my, I guess my final thoughts on this before we start spoiling stuff in the danger zone um, is that. I like that it was adapted for the screen. If I were to recommend this to anybody, I'd say don't bother watching it and read the book. If I could tell you what to do, I'd say read the book. You can skip this movie. It's not a very great movie. I didn't ever believe like the motivations of anybody. The romantic interest that becomes a thing um, didn't feel convincing to me. Also, the leap that Guy Montag has to take from being a fireman to being not a fireman happens so quickly. That it, like I didn't buy almost any of the movie. To be fair, that transition happened really quickly in the book, um, but they did change a lot of the aspects of the story. I, I don't like how how it was. A lot of it was motivated by his his love for this yeah. Clarice girl that he Clarice. Why can't I say that? Clarice. Clarice. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's. 
it's just not true to what happens in the book, and I don't like it. Yeah, and it, and it involves romance as a motivation, whereas in the book, the motivation was expanding the mind and preserving knowledge. Yeah. So it almost uh, shallows it out. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, um, Clarice is not as big of a character in the book, but... In my opinion, she was more important in the book, though. Agreed. And I think she has more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She has more personhood, more... Um, Nuance? No. No? Wait, uh, in individual, this? No, in the in the book. She has more... It's like personhood, but it's another word. Mm, I wish I could think of this. Um, mm, if anybody else is yelling at me right personhood. now... From your From your whatever you're listening on, please let me know, because this word's going to keep me up at night. Mm -hmm. I can't think of it, but... She had mm. a lot more muchness. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And here it's like she's a, uh, she is an important character in the movie, but she's mostly important in the arc of Guy Montag's feelings. Like how is how is he? You know what I mean? Like she's uh, she's she's just a set piece for him to react to. Uh, and I'd write like I don't know. Yeah, she I had much more individuality. Yeah, you know, she yeah. was much more of a wallflower. Definitely more of an interesting character in the book, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I almost had it. Uh, anyways, so I think this movie's a five out of ten. I was thinking flat five the whole Maybe time. Maybe a four and a half, which is still better. Our, our opinions are still better than what uh, what a lot of, uh, you know, critics or whatever thought. Um, this is rocking a, a well, 4.9 on IMDb, which is seems fair. 34% on Rotten Tomatoes and a two out of four on Roger Ebert. So that's fine. Yeah, it's very middle of the road. I'm going to say 4.5 for me. I'm going to say 4. Okay. Oh, you dropped down even further. Yeah. You don't have to be below me. <laughs> no. No, I, it's, I'm trying to be um, unbiased and just like yeah. not just be overshadowed by the fact that I read the book. Yeah. I'm going to stick with a 5. Okay, cool. So very middle of the road. I'm going to um, shadow Max and just say that if it's between this and reading the book or listening to the book on Audible like I did... Go ahead and do that, and then yeah. if you want to watch the movie just to see how they did it and their take on it, do that. But start with the book. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I've been searching the internet for a minute and a half here on places to find this. So far, all I can tell is that HBO is is the place to see it. Maybe it will be released on DVD at some point, um, but for now, it's only on HBO. So if you don't have HBO, read the book because you have a library near you probably or a bookstore or something. That's Fahrenheit 451, the film. Do you want to jump to a break and come back with spoilers and our next beer, or do you have more to say? Let us take a break and enter henceforth into the danger zone. Hey, Max. No, no, no. no. You were just yelling at me. No. And you were yelling so loud that a little thing showed up on the screen. You were yelling at me about not making... What, what do you call that when it just goes... Peaks. No, close. Lines going Work with me, man. <laughs> uh, valleys, no. Uh, I don't Johnny, know. that's right. I'm talking about a spike. Oh. Tell our listeners about Spike's Bottle Shop. Spike's Bottle Shop is a wonderful location to get all your craft beer and liquor needs, as well as some snacks. They have an awesome deal worked out with this show, where if you use our promo code FHC at checkout, you will get 10% off any purchase. Also, it's a super huge bonus that you can get most of the beers that we do on the show and drink along with us. So check them out. What's the address? It's 1270 East First Avenue. Like Johnny said, most of the beers we do on the show are available at a very affordable rate once you use that discount of FHC to get that 10% off. It's an amazing selection. So even if you get something different than what we're drinking, you're still to have, you're still sure to, here we go, you're still sure to have a good time. That's right. Uh, it's, yeah. It's going to be a beautiful time. 1270 East First Avenue, right off the freeway by In Motion Fitness here in Chico, Spike's Bottle Shop. Go check them out. <laughs> 
We're going to, you want to talk? Sorry. I just saw you open your mouth. I should just keep speaking because I've already won this race. I didn't know it was a contest. Look, I think the words, we think it's autonomy, but it doesn't feel like that's a hundred percent, but that's like 95% of what I was trying to say. I think the word might be autonomy or sovereignty or something like that. So explain what you were trying to say. I was just trying to say like in the movie, she exists as this, this, uh, this motivating factor for guy Montag's, um, you know, um, character development, character development into the idea that what he's doing is wrong. Where in the book, she is the same thing, but they don't even go into her character enough to make her all about him. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's what I was trying to get across. And autonomy totally works, but I thought there was another word. Welcome to the danger zone. This is the danger zone. We, uh, we're going to talk about this movie with spoilers. We're going to do some more book comparisons, I imagine. We're going to spoil the book. Uh, and before we get to any of that... We're, we're going to spoil milk. We're going to spoil... Yeah. Your sure. appetite. I was hoping there would be milk in this, and that would have been a great transition, but I don't think there is, because you got this, and yeah. you can't drink milk. As long as Johnny's in charge of I picking can't out drink beers. milk of the cow or any animal. That's not true. You can't drink milk of the cow? I can drink milk of other animals. Well, can you really? 100%. What animals don't have dairy in their milk? No, it's, it's the lactose in cow's milk. Just um, cow's milk. Yep. Weird. Also, I've heard a, a theory recently that American dairy cows produce a different protein in the milk than like European cows. Whoa. And it's more difficult for the majority of people to digest. Oh. So now I want to go to Europe and drink milk. Just don't drink milk. Just drink. Yeah. You know how good, like, oh, have you ever had oat milk? Dude, I have. And cashew milk. I never had cashew milk, but oat milk is so good. <laughs> oat milk is delicious. You have to like the taste of oat, but. Which is nice, though. I like it. But I like the, uh, like, almond milk with the, like, touch of vanilla. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. I was at Costco a little while back, and I bought a three-pack of almond milk. Um, and I've been using it for cereal. And basically, basically, anytime I need milk, I'm just like, I'll just use this almond milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Costco. We don't have a lot of storage space, so it's cool to buy stuff in bulk, keep it in the garage. Uh, I accidentally got the almond milk out of the fridge at Costco. And turns out, because uh, I saw the other ones on the shelf, and it's like, these are not perishable. But apparently some almond milk is perishable. Some but I don't are. know what about an almond can be perishable when it's not cold. I don't understand a lot. So Yeah, I don't know either. Because there is yeah. some that you can just, st- I, I don't know. Unless they're slipping some dairy in there. Big dairy is like, you're going to make almond milk in America? You're putting this cow's teat milk in there. Big udder. Big, 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 yeah. Big yeah. mother utter. Big mother utter. Uh, beer? Before we get too yeah. deep into this nonsense, we're going to review our second and final beer of the evening. It is going to be coming at you from Drake's Brewing Company, guys. It's called Easy Like Sunday Morning. We are drinking a Black Robusto. That's right. It's called Black Robusto. I thought you said it's called Easy Like Sunday Morning. No. The top says it's Easy Like Sunday Morning, and then the big words are Black Robusto, and then underneath, it says it's a robust porter. Oh, cool. So, Drake's Brewing Company out of San Leandro, California. Uh, they were established in 1989. This 22-ounce bottle is a beer that's easy like Sunday morning. With comforting notes of cold-brewed coffee, dark chocolate, and creamy caramel. Exceptionally well-balanced and approachable, robust porters are bigger than traditional porters with a rich medium body. Whether it's a beer for breakfast, an afternoon delight, or a moonlit dinner. Black Robusto is a straight-up referendum on what it means to be smooth. For any uh, anybody curious, it's 6.3% by alcohol, or alcohol by volume, I guess. I always say by alcohol, but I think I sound like an idiot. Uh, it's on the IBU scale. There's 35 of them. So not many. And any of you beer nerds, it came out at 15.9 degrees Play-Doh at its original gravity. That's good to know. Yep. I, I know what that means-ish, but I, yeah. you know. But yeah. we're not going to, you know. 
So, and also a fun fact, this is a 22-ounce bottle, and it is also $5 available at Spike's Bottle Shop. Oh, wow. Okay. It was a very affordably priced 22-ounce bottle. Which is crazy when you factor in all the awards that it's won over the years. Am I right? It's won a few, hasn't it? It's gotten, uh, I won't go into too many details here. I will just glaze. Let's say the gold in 2013. At the San Diego International Commercial Beer Competition, it won, yep, 2013, won gold there. And most recently... It won a silver at the LA International Beer Competition for Robust Porters. Yes, indeed. Also, you've been saying Robusto, which I think it's Robusto, but I'm going to say Robusto because that's way sexier. It's way far. Like Robusto. 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 That's great. Uh, My name is Johnny Robusto. Yeah. Have you tasted it yet? Nope. I'm having too much fun saying <laughs> Robusto. Robusto. Uh, I feel like I, I shouted out to Old Republic, so if anybody from Drake's is listening, please let us know on our Twitter feed. Is this Robusto or Robusto? Even. Use as many me. R's as you think we should pronounce when you, so if, I, I don't mean to use all your Twitter characters, but I need at least five R's. <laughs> Robusto. This is a great looking porter. It it's just smells in the glass. fantastic. It's got a wonderful bit of lacing around the top, a great head retention around the sides too. Dark as night. I'm excited. Yeah, you get a lot of richness out of this beer. Yeah. It's very, very coffee forward. It definitely has a cold brew vibe because there's no bitterness, really. It's super smooth drinking. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. Uh, that's a good go-to porter. There's nothing that jumps out as it leans too much either way or yeah. any direction. No, it's not sweet. feels well-rounded. It is well-rounded, and you get a nice roastiness, all those lovely roasted malts, and then that cold brew characteristic. I don't get um, subtle, subtle caramel. You do not get subtle, subtle oh, caramel? I do. Oh. Like that's, I don't get a lot of caramel. I should have added more words to that sentence. Yeah, I wasn't sure what you were going and, for. And uh, not really heavy on the caramel. Definitely super light, uh, but you do get a lot of dark chocolate and the cold brew coffee aspect of it. It finishes with a nice, dry, mellow bitterness. Yeah, it does. Just like a little just a little hint. Just like a... Hello, I'm here. I'm, my name's Mr. Bitterness. Yeah. Hello. Just, just like a nice cup of cold brew black coffee. Yeah, but it's definitely very coffee forward, I think. Which I love. I do too. Yeah. It's great. Oh. This would be, so there's a thing that I used to get at places. I still do every now and again, but it's when they have a good stout on draft and then you get a shot of espresso poured in the top. People mm-hmm. call it different things, but uh, that's very good. And this would be delicious with some espresso. Yeah, it would. On like a chilly winter morning. God, mm-hmm. I miss winter. Me too. Okay. Can we just move? To if we s- don't open the garage door, like we can just keep all the doors and windows closed. It could be raining outside and it makes, my mood just go, boom, yeah. boom. Um, you know what you should do? Hmm. Uh, put on some white noise of rain. Yeah. I do that totally. in the summer. I do that uh, in the winter. But I yeah, do that because I snore. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. To avoid getting punched in the mid of night. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Hark. <laughs> what fist? What fist is doth thee bring doth my mind face? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Robusto. Very good. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I was just awoken the other night you were by punched? my wife. Yeah. Uh, wake up, you're snoring. Mm-hmm. What's well, because I was sleeping? Yeah, that's, that's a side effect of sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's what I do when I sleep. Yeah. Why are you not sleeping? Uh, but And then she's like, because you're snoring. That's because I'm sleeping. Why aren't you sleeping? Because you're snoring. <laughs> exactly. but that's why I'm saying. It turned into like a Three Stooges slapstick That's why routine. you haven't slept in days. And I was like, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah. Well, this is af- good. after a long, long night of heavy snoring, mm-hmm. I would love to wake up to this beer. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. This would be a great breakfast beer, like a Sunday instead of champagne brunch. Oh, dude. Have this. With champagne brunch is overhyped. Up, Not a fan. It's fine. I'm going to come out and say it. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather do this. I like a champagne buzz, but it also immediately have to take a nap. See, immediately. Here's the thing. Champagne's fine. And the only reason I would ever drink it is to get a buzz. 
but like a solid porter or stout with breakfast, with a heavy breakfast. Mm -hmm. Imagine this with a black cup of coffee and some hash browns. It's the best. Man. Also, I've seen you on champagne. You get silly. Have you? You silly goose. Where did we do that? I showed up one time to record a podcast. Sure. And you'd been drinking a significant amount of champagne. Oh, that's because I was drinking it out of a 22-ounce glass. Because you care about mm, feelings, so you got good and liquored up before I got here. Sure, yeah. It was amazing. You were a silly goose. I, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I think liquor, I had a blast. Yeah. I think I'm affected the same way by all liquors. It just depends on the situation I'm drinking it in. Well, I think it's fair to say that champagne's like a really bubbly. They call it bubbly because you get like a bubbly I think drunk. They call it bubbly because of how carbonated it well, is. Well, that too, but also like it's kind of hard to like. Have you ever heard of anyone being an angry drunk on champagne? I mean, nobody brags about that probably. So no, <laughs> if I don't you think did, I've you'd be it. the biggest in the yeah. world. I get mean when I'm drinking that champagne, Max. Yeah. All right, we're going off the rails talking about champagne brunch. Yeah. No, we should have a, a dark beer brunch. Yeah, I, the if they had like a sample, you know how you get like champagne flights? I would love a dark beer flight mm-hmm. in the morning. Just oh, a, like nice. a porter, a stout, a barrel-aged stout, and then before all that, like a, a shot of bourbon. You know, like a brown ale. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Or even like a regular porter sure. into this. Sure. Yeah, that'd be nice with, uh, with some night. Also, who doesn't love breakfast food? Totally. Breakfast food's the best food. Yep. So, or even like a like a maple stout would be mm. tight, or a maple porter. I wish we knew somebody that was going to be cranking one of those out. Mm. We should just tease mm. that out. We should yeah. just drop little hints like that for the next six months. Yeah, or however, or however long it takes to Who get knows? to you know episodes or whatever. What? I'm just counting. Uh, I'm going to give this beer an eight. I like it. It's a very solid porter. Porters are great because you're not expecting the heavy mouthfeel like with a decent stout. And I think we've reviewed enough of them that we're getting over that. It's nice to like go into a porter and be like, yeah, that's a good porter. Yeah. Instead of like, meh, I wish it was thicker. Totally. This is great. Which I fight doing every time sure. I drink a beer that's dark. Mm-hmm. But I agree. It's killer. Yeah. I um, I don't know exactly. I don't know that I would change too much about it. Um, why, port- is, why isn't it a higher rating? Then? Porters just never rock my world that much. Yeah. So it's great. What it's, would it take for a porter to be a 10? It would have to be a different beer. It would have to be a different style of beer. I don't think I've never once found a porter that I was like, this is so amazing. Well, but wouldn't the 10, wouldn't there be a 10 in just this? Like, there has to be a best porter. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a 10 for porters? Yeah. But we rate things a little differently. But at the same time, like, if you're only eating fast food, is there a 10 fast food burger? Yeah. Or, but, but there's it's like the bur- best burger. It's just that you a get. burger, though. So, like, there's a better burger somewhere. Yeah. But, like, it's the best fast comparison. food burger. Yeah. If you're rating anything, there's going to be a maximum in that category. I guess, yeah, I think you're so right. So there would have to be a gold medal winner of every sport. Well, then maybe I'll suffice to say that I just don't know huh. what it would be. We I think should. I think tens are like you know it when they hit your palate or your That's eyes fair. and ears if it's a movie. So there's this beer from Fieldwork called Vikings Lament, mm-hmm. and it's like a 10% porter. Maybe the best porter I've ever had in my life. Is it a 10? Yeah. Okay. Like, if I ever get a crawler of that, I'll bring it in here, and, and we'll, you'll see. Sounds great. And we'll be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Nice. Um. Well, let's... Can I rate it? Yeah. Get your rating. I was going <laughs> to say, let's get your rating on this. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. This is a, an outstanding porter, and I kind of do rate on a stylistic basis. This is just, as a porter, I'm not comparing it to stouts, but just as a porter, it's exemplary yeah sure i mean it's top tier also again not to overlook this is very affordable it's five bucks for a for a bomber so 
And it's also like getting almost nutty as mm-hmm. it warms up, sure. which I really enjoy as a fan of like English style beers and, and like nut browns. Yeah, this is this is tasty, man. I think this is great. Uh, Drake's well done. What are some other favorite porters you've ever had? Um, do any really come to mind? Yeah, yeah, I do have a couple. Um, I think one of the first porters I had, and maybe it's because it was one of my first. Uh, maybe it stuck with me, but the Shallow Grave by Heretic. Okay, I, I think that's what it's called. It's got a big wolf on the front. I think so. Shallow. Yeah, I think it's called Shallow Grave. That sounds right. Also, isn't Mowgli from Caldera a porter? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, it uh, is. and they have the uh, the barrel aged Mowgli, I yeah, believe, and which is not much different. Not much different, but there's some difference, and I like that one more. Maybe it's because it's like in a holographic, like Pokemon card, Pokemon card style holograph kind of mm-hmm. reflection case. Yep. Those, I mean, those jump out to me immediately. The uh, the one from Russian River that you brought back that one time. Oh yeah. What's it called? That was Shadow of a Doubt. Shadow of a Doubt. That was a fantastic porter. That's up there. That yeah. I like that. But one. none of those are tens for me, so I don't know what the deal is. But. Yeah, and like Rogue made a good hazelnut porter. The hazelnut brown nectar or whatever. Was it hazelnut brown? Hazel, yeah, so or it's hazelnut. It's something like that. I thought it was a porter. It must be a brown. Hazelnut. Yeah, it's something like that. Hmm. But then know. like uh, Six Rivers makes the Mac Damon nut porter. I don't love that one. See, I would rate it higher than this one. Interesting. Yeah, palettes are fun. That's crazy. Let us know what you think about Drake's beer. Drink along. Do you want to say the name one more time? Just have fun with it. Black. <laughs> Robusto. Yes, it's available at Spike's Bottle Shop for $5. Uh, less if you use our discount code, which uh, you've heard about already, so just use that. For the love of God, drink along and tweet me. Yeah, and then let us know what you think via Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Twitter's probably the easiest option for typing things. Uh, but if you want to share a photo or a video, Jared hit Schmidt. us that Instagram or an email. Yeah. Uh, and then Facebook for all other needs. Yeah. Let's wrap this. Let's wrap that, and let's jump back to Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, that's been the beer, man. Cool. It's been good. Um, good beers this week. What else do you want to talk about for this Well, movie? let's talk... Spoilers, heads up. Let's talk the things that we didn't like, and I'm going to go ahead and say that all the things I didn't like were the things that they fucked up completely from the book. Yeah. So, right off the top, a lot of people's relationships and the way that their characters interact was completely different in the movie than the book. And that by far is my number one problem. Like by far. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at with the, uh, with the Clarice thing. Yeah. Different relationship in the book. Completely different. Like not dichotomy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that works. There was a dichotomy there, but completely different relationship. Um, and the way that Clarice's character affected Montag, was so different in the the book. Yes, you know. Yeah, and mostly she wasn't a, she wasn't a love interest that strung him along. No, she it was all, a child. Yeah, and it felt like she was motivating him. Like felt like a huge part of him in the movie changing his mind was because he liked her. Whereas in the book, he guy Montag was married, mm-hmm. and one of his biggest motivations was realizing that he's all alone. Yeah, his because his wife is very much plugged into like the I don't think they call it Uxie or maybe they do. They call it Uxie in the book. No. Uh, whatever the home entertainment thing is, where like, um, she like at one point he gets really fired up about uh, like this book thing, and then he like tells her, doesn't she like rat him out or something? No, she has like, like a par- she has like a party, party. Yeah. and then there's a dinner party. Um, but other than that, she just like is only plugged into the entertainment. She just watches, and they call it the family. I think the wall, the wall, yeah, yeah. the family in the wall. Like they yeah. think like the she interacts with these digital people, and like because every every wall in their house is a screen three walls okay okay sure and one of the main harping points was she's trying to get them to save up so they can buy a fourth wall right which i thought was like a fun like could be a play on word now it is they didn't yeah. have yeah but yeah. yeah fucking office yeah right <laughs> uh and you know one of the main things too was um 
a lot of the relationships in this movie, they literally just went 180 degrees the opposite direction. Yeah, you want to talk about Captain Beatty? Captain Beatty, but like obviously the guy Montag was married the whole time. Motivation in the movie was being loved. Motivation in the book was kind of being alone. Sure. Realizing he's been alone and he doesn't even love his wife. Like one of the main things in the book was like he didn't remember until the end of the book where he met his wife. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and also in the in the book, there's this whole sense of like there's always war going on. Like it's so dystopian that like people are just getting called up to war. Oh, like yeah. a lot of people are on their like third husband and like people are committing suicide left and right in the book, which is one thing I wish they would have incorporated more in the movie. Sure. Um, like in the movie in the book, one of the main things that happens that really sets the tone is within the first like 30 pages guy montag's wife tries to commit suicide oh yeah that's right and that's a huge uh impetus 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 impotent impetent. (laughs) impetus to his character and like this road that he travels down just realizing like wow things like really are shitty yeah so i think they did a good job with the scene as far by, by good job i mean good job uh with a an accurate book two movie portrayal of the scene where they find the woman who ends up committing suicide in with her books. I did like that. That scene. was a powerful scene. I, I thought would, that was very nice. Yep. She also though would not just stand there while she's on fire. No, uh, that's insane. But well, and also in the book, it was like a big explosion. Oh, was it? Yeah. And like huh. all the firefighters got burned a little and they had like uh, run out. Yeah. It was like a big, right. But they obviously had to dramatize it. Sure. Yeah. But I thought that was nice. I think I think that was a nice moment where it's like, oh, like that was that was the other thing where he was like, man, why? It's like a written by a twelve year old. But his line was like, that woman burned herself alive for her books. Why would she do that? Why would somebody burn themselves <laughs> for like, their right, books? All right, dude. Like that, that felt racist. <laughs> you just said it. What's well, how he said it? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Kind of. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I thought that was good. I thought that scene was really powerful. There was a couple scenes like that throughout the movie like that was a big one and those scenes definitely carried the torch of the feel of the book there were definitely those little footnotes in yeah. the movie where you're yeah. like okay yes this is fahrenheit 451 did it happen in the book the same way where they find out that he's been stashing books they take him to his house i know that part happens and then he comes back out and they're like gonna they're gonna brand him they do brand him right in the movie uh his little finger brand mm-hmm. thing and then he kills uh the one dude Right. In the book? No, in the movie. In the he movie. kills, uh, he fire blasts that one guy. Mm-hmm. Then he takes off running, right? Yep. Then he goes to the farm. He runs straight to that farm where that kid is, uh, who's been memorizing all the books. Mm-hmm. With the bird DNA, mm-hmm. he sets the bird free, and then he gets burnt alive by Captain Beatty. Yep. Which doesn't go down in the book. No. Right? In the book, he burns Captain Beatty alive. Right. Is that true? Yeah. Does that feel wrong? I, can't, I haven't, I mean, I haven't. Yeah, no, yeah. In time, the but. book, um, so in the book, they have this big scene where Captain Beatty comes to his house and he basically knows that he's taken a book home and yeah. gives him this big spiel about how, you know, everyone does this, every fireman does this, everyone takes it home. Our rule is you have 24 hours to give it back. Gotcha. Um, and then they sent the hound after him, which the hound should have been in the movie, which yeah. is this big giant robot spider dog thing yeah. that can hunt people by smell. Like in Black Mirror. Yeah. The black and white episode. Oh, the little... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this one's like giant right. and it injects you with a lethal dosage of morphine. Crazy. So crazy. Yeah. Um, so in the book, he comes... Uh, Beatty comes to his house and gives him this whole spiel and he goes back and then gives him a book and then they get a call and the call's to 
his, uh, um, his house. Yeah, right. So they take and they take all the books he's been hiding and throw them in the street and they set them on fire. But it, there's this pivotal scene where Beatty says, you have to burn all the books. Yeah. And so Montag takes a flamethrower and torches Beatty. So gnarly. So gnarly. Yeah. And like, you weren't sure if like Beatty was kind of on the fence with the mm-hmm. whole book thing the whole time. Right. Yeah. That's another thing they did in the movie that never really gets resolved. Like he has this obsession with writing quotes mm-hmm. on like cigarette rolling paper. Yeah. Um, but then he always crumples them up and burns them or whatever. Yeah, it was very strange. So, but then, so you think maybe, yeah, maybe he's like into this, and then it's like, no, he's not. He maybe he's like a secret desire that he'll never tell anybody about. But I didn't, I didn't understand the purpose of that. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was a little unnecessary footnote. Yeah. So yeah, it was odd that like they had Beatty killing Montag in the movie, but Montag kills Beatty in the book. Right. And how, just, how does it end for Montag in the in the book? In the book, how does it end? It ends with them going like back to the city after war has been declared and there's uh. a big giant bomb that goes off. And Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. like a plane flies over, but yeah. now he's like joining the resistance, right? And they yeah. go back to... No, there was really... The resistance was a bunch of dudes, like basically hobos. Yeah. And then they clarify in the book that there's people like implanted in small towns all over mm-hmm. the United States that have memorized right. parts of books or whole books. And then they're ready when the time comes to convey that knowledge and have it typed out. Yeah. And then they see the big plane go over, and it looks like a nuclear bomb possibly just levels the city, and they're about to go back in and see what's up, and it was just kind of like That's how it ends. That's how it ends. Yeah, right. So, it was. I mean, definite differences, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a... They did good, but I feel like the whoever wrote the movie, the director, Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name, and I'm not going to butcher it, um really just went contrarian and was just like, I'm going to do the exact opposite of the book, but why would you do that? I think, yeah. I for think, like a classic book. I think this movie depicted society. No, hang on. How do I want to say this? Um, depicted Guy Montag's relationship to society. And I think that the book conveyed humanity's relationship to society through Guy Montag. I could see that. So the book was more macro. Yeah, completely, and and you you got to learn about that through the lens of this one confused guy. Mm-hmm. But here it's like Guy Montag's story, uh, as it as he's living through this time in his life. Yeah, I just think it has it's less meaningful, and I think uh, in a time where this is a pretty important message to get across, this movie didn't do the best job, but it's still better than nothing. It's still better than the millions of people born from whenever this problem began, probably forever. Yeah. I don't mean to be on a high horse here, but it's still better for them to see this movie than not. But exactly. Still, but yeah, it was definitely. Um, like you said, the the movie was more um, about one man's story in society, and the book was just more about society through one man. Yeah, and it was like, because the whole purpose, like the whole driving factor of this movie is for them, by the time he switches sides, if we can say that, um, is like getting this DNA that they've like encoded the DNA uh, of an animal with the books. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, they in, they put the the information into the DNA somehow, right, and then like, like the encode it. Bird goes and mates with other birds, and other birds know the books. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, know. I don't know about that. The whole idea was to get that bird with that information from point A to point B, like in Canada, yeah. right? Which was also is crazy. Like that's that's some social commentary if I've ever heard it. Like America's just fucking up left yeah. and right, and like Canada's like, well, just yeah, we'll keep books. Okay, that's fine. Oh yeah, you guys do your thing. Burn Bird. alive. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was so. interesting. Uh, overall, I just I liked the tone of the book so mm-hmm. much more. Agreed. Uh, it was 
Say it like exactly like you said. It's yeah. still a good movie and it's still an important message. Like don't burn books. Yeah, I like, just I, yeah. I think it's it's still an important message. I still think it's not a good movie. No. Uh let's talk for a second some hypotheticals. Sure. Let's say we had to cast this movie and we were gonna do it true to the book. Oh. Um, and like do like a legit version of this movie. This is still tough for me because I haven't read it in a while, but I think my problem would I maybe I wouldn't even maybe recast anybody. I would completely rewrite it. In see, I would. I mean, rewrite the whole movie. Sure, that's what I'm saying. Like, just make a movie that's like. Basically, what I want to know is if you can recall from the last time you read it. You know how when you read a book, you kind of cast people in your head yeah, as the sure, characters sure. sometimes, or they have certain physical things that make mm-hmm. them look like. For me, when I was listening to this book, the main character guy Montag, I just kept seeing um, Javier Bardem. Oh, interesting. I don't don't know why. So um, he strikes me as more of a Captain Beatty kind of dude. Yeah, for sure. See, Captain Beatty struck me as like a big, fat guy, hmm. like a big fat Southern guy. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember their descriptions really. I don't think there was. They all kind of looked the same. That hmm. was the whole thing. Right. I don't know. It would be fun if you reread the book though. Yeah. Like recast totally. it. Totally. We should write write out a cast sure. for it. Yeah. So. I think we're there, man. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. Uh, recap real quick. Read we, books. We did Old Republic. Yep. Interstellar Juggernaut. We talked about Fahrenheit 451 out on HBO now. If you got that, check it out. If you don't, again, read the book because uh, it's better, I think, is our general consensus. Yeah, yeah. And then you do the honors here. We talked about Drake's Brewing Company, Black Robusto. Get at us on social medias. We got some more for our Patreon listeners, more bonus content coming your way this week. For uh, people not on Patreon, we got another episode uh, dropping next Monday. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers, and this has been another exciting episode of Fresh Hop Cinema. You take care now. Bye-bye. I didn't like that. Uh, you have the best days. You have a better tomorrow than last yesterday. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.